Good morning, Tromaville, and welcome to Make Your Own Damn Podcast with Jeff Burke, Lucas Magnum, and me, Zach Bynes, from Talking Troma Podcast. It's like the WCW, WWF crossover invasion angle. Holy shit. Oh my god, that you, was You glorious. threw a wrestling reference in there. Um, uh, you, that, I mean, that just is like, I mean, I love wrestling. Um, anybody who listens to Make Your Own Damn Podcast knows that I love wrestling. So um, that is, uh, that, that made me, that made me smile. Also, it's me, I, Lucas, it was me the whole time. <laughs> um, I already feel alienated. <laughs> That'll, that'll probably be the last wrestling reference of the I, maybe. You know, I, I was, doubt it. I sincerely doubt it. I was, I was telling Jeff that, you know, like, I'm sorry that I keep, you know, dragging him into my weird wrestling stuff. But even though he's not a wrestling fan, I think he would at least appreciate uh, Lucha Underground if he watched it. It's it's fun. Well, and, and then Lloyd and Toxie at one point were uh, tag team champions. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, there's more wrestling in my future. <laughs> so for everyone listening, obviously something's a little bit different today. Yeah. Uh, we are doing a crossover episode between Make Your Own Damn Podcast and Talking Troma, which this is exciting. <laughs> so we, uh, we have somebody who's actually been a part of Tromaville who has been kind enough to talk to... As I've kind of already described this, Lucas, I think we're like the squatter crust punks that just set up shop behind, like, the fast food. Uh, I, I guess uh, the chicken bunker in Chomaville is mm-hmm. what our roles in this whole grand scheme are. I, I would say so. Um, but, uh, you know, but we're, we're, we're excited to be uh, talking trauma with talking trauma today. <laughs> that, that... I do got to say, when I saw the name of your guys' podcast, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> all Lucas. Lucas gets all credit for that. He came up with that name, and when he texted me it, he's like, what do you think of this? I was like, that's goddamn perfect. Yes. I think I hit you with, like, four really bad ones before that, though. You, I did read. I don't even remember what they were, but there was a couple, and I was like, ah, no. And you're like, make your own damn podcast. And it's like, we got it. Yep. <laughs> So what are we doing today? So I thought it would be a good idea to, you know, show camaraderie with my my other fellow trauma podcasters out there. Um, that you know we all we all love these movies and Hell yeah. that you know I've I've heard people thinking there's like competition between us or whatever, and <laughs> it's like now we all should you know talk about the movies we love so much there there should be plenty of of discussion out there for the love of Tromaville. so so i thought it'd be a good idea all of us to get together and just talk about our top five favorite trauma movies of all time and maybe we'd go round robin or whatever like oh, I, number five or yeah so. i think that's yeah i think that's a perfect perfect idea so, so yeah who wants to kick this off? Hmm. I did the introduction. <laughs> yeah, you All did right. the introduction. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off here. I'll kick us off. So I, for my coming up with my five, I did a loose kind of mixture of 
what's actually my favorite trauma movies and also some movies I just thought would be fun to bring up. So I'm going to start off with number five as one of my legit favorites, what I think is probably the funniest movie in all the trauma library and has also long term had like the biggest one of the biggest media impacts of people who've ever worked with trauma. I'm picking Cannibal the Musical. From Matt Stone and Trey Parker, of course. Of course. So, I do got to say, that was also my number five, Cannibal the Musical. Oh, I, I, bring, I thought I'd bring props to the, to the thing. So, for me, uh, Cannibal, I grew up in Colorado. So, oh, Trey so Parker. So, you know the Alfred Packer, are you, are you, so it's like the Alfred Packer story, like a big thing in Colorado? Not at all. <laughs> it is like there's definitely, um, you know, if if you know, you know. But uh, um, you know, it's it, there is like little Alfred Packer Grill at the CU Boulder where Trey Parker, Matt Stone went. Um, and when I was like looking for colleges to go to when I was in high school, um, I I went to CU just to see the locations where they filmed some of Cannibal, the musical. So where they sing when I was, um, when Polly Pry is singing her song, um, in the stairwell, uh, this side of me, um, I went and took like pictures of the stairwell where they filmed part of Cannibal, the musical. And then like later on, when I went to film school, um, somebody I went to film school with, he played the Mexican in the trailer, um, that didn't actually become part of the movie. (laughs) That's amazing. So, and it, yeah, like, and being in high school, like, right, you know, when South Park was hitting big, I just wanted more Trey and Matt. And one of my buddies told me about Cannibal the Musical, and he made a bootleg tape uh, of it, and he put the trailers before there. And that's how I actually got introduced to Troma was because of Cannibal the Musical. Nice. I, I actually have, like, such a, uh, like, weird thing because... Troma introduced me to Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I was actually a fan of Campbell the Musical before I was a South Park fan, and I had just only... I remember when, like, South Park got huge, but when it got huge, I only saw the first episode. And the first episode, as all South Park fans know, like, the first season is pretty different from the rest of South Park, and that in my opinion, the show gets better as it goes on. Yeah. Um, and so I really was judged South Park kind of wrong. I was like, ah, this really isn't my thing. And um, I just only gave Campbell the Musical a chance because I was a huge Choma fan. And then I saw Campbell the Musical. I'm like, I fucking love this movie. This movie's <laughs> incredible. And for years I said, I like Matt Stone and Trey Parker's movies. I don't like their TV show. Until when I was finally in college, somebody, like like friends, got me to rewatch it. And I was like, oh, holy shit, South Park's amazing. I was completely <laughs> wrong all these years and missing out. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I, I I love Cannibal as well, but that is that is not my number five. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, number five, um, I, I try to do something similar to what what Jeff did, where um, like some of these are my legit favorites, and then some of them are just movies that I just want people to see. Yeah, um, well, it, it's kind of tough. I thought because it, how easy would it have been to do this whole list with five Lloyd movies? Yeah. yeah. 
Because he's, you know, legit my favorite director of all time. And you can't argue that he's definitely probably has more of the solid in the trauma library. Yes. There's a lot of gems in there that, you know, (laughs) that probably wouldn't get talked about. So, yeah, I kind of did the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, So my number five is going to be it's going to be Mother's Day. Um, I I love the way that movie feels like it feels just like a grimy movie and i i love like some of the trivia behind it that it you know shot it was shot across the lake from from the original friday the 13th like and they shared a rap party they also i that rap party fascinates me i so want to be like a fly on the wall the rap party for the I... joint rap party for mother's day and friday the 13th just like yeah. holy shit and, maybe and, charles know... made some of his like nice bread yes yes that's what we also joked about (laughs) i I am legit curious about wanting to try his bread just to be like i had charles kaufman's bread i've i've heard it i've heard it's good next time i go to san diego comic-con i'm gonna try to stop into his shop yeah i think that's a must (laughs) um yeah no i mean i i just i think that movie's just fun i mean and i think like there are weird parallels to Friday the 13th as well. Like, I mean, you've got, like, kind of this sinister mother figure, you know, and you've got, um, there's that big reveal at the end, which, you know, like somebody <laughs> kind of, you know, which is kind of hinted at throughout the film, like in Friday the 13th. Um, and I don't know, like, there's there's these, like, really um, kind of, funnier moments too like the punk sucks disco sucks yeah. <laughs> yes um, i love that yeah and the uh the scene on the baseball field which kind of calls to mind some of the earlier trauma sex comedies in a way i thought it's that was one of those movies the first time i watched it i was expecting more of like uh, friday the 13th or april fool's day yeah and then i was not expecting it to be so i spit on your grave <laughs> yeah but um, so the first time I, I watched it, I definitely I appreciated it, but it was not what I was expecting it to be, which, you know, ha- has definitely happened with me several times in the <laughs> in my trauma viewings. Yes. But um, yeah, no, that was uh, it was quite the experience. But it, and it grew on me for sure. And then I started thinking more, like you said, of the humor that's in mm-hmm. there. And yeah, I like it's not it's not on my five, but it is. It is up there, and I wish Charles Kaufman would make would have made more movies. I'd be interested to yeah. see. He's only made about three, but he wrote a lot uh, with Lloyd in those early days. Mm-hmm. So. And um, uh, just some fun trivia: Did you know that the co-writer of Mother's Day ended up being the creator of Law and Order SVU? Oh, see, they should uh, they should uh, do uh, do like a special throwback episode. <laughs> and, and, and the other, like the assistant to uh, uh, to the person who created SVU was, oh uh, fuck, what trauma movie did he work on, Lucas? Um, was it, it was Squeeze Play? No, 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 no. I want to say it was uh, Luther the Geek or oh, yes, 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 yes. Was I it Luther the, the Geek? Yeah. I oh, do okay. know. I do know that Will Keenan uh, star Tromeo and Juliet stars yeah. Michael Jackson in an episode of SVU. <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing. I did not know that. There are so many SVU crossovers. You, it kind of makes sense, though, because Troma's from New York. And if you're yeah. a working actor who uh, is taking any role they can, uh, I bet SVU and Troma are your surefire things. But uh, <laughs> Troma probably doesn't pay nearly as well as SVU. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's just been one of our themes while we've just been doing these uh, episodes and doing deep dives into people's histories. We keep coming up with all these connections to Law and Order SVU, and it's like <laughs> without trauma, there would have been literally no Law and Order <laughs> SVU. We can make a firm argument about that. We're only twenty some episodes in at this point, yeah. right? Well, and you could even say it even more because if there was no no trauma, then then Pat Kaufman would have never became New York State Film Commissioner, and she yes. would have never you know helped SVU you know get on the TV. Oh screen. shit, that's true. <laughs> we got another connection. <laughs> that's like the ultimate connection. You could, yeah. She, she's she was the Variety's most powerful woman in film a few years in a row. So <laughs> that's right. That I did, uh, I don't I'm not sure if I knew that or if I did I forgot that. The commission. <laughs> uh, so Zach, what's your number four? So my number four um, is it's a comedy that Troma put out, and uh, it's pretty funny. If you like Kentucky Fried Movie, then perhaps you would like viewer discretion advised. It is uh, directed by Tommy Blaze, and he went on to he's written a bunch of things and acted in a bunch of things. Uh, I can't say that I've really watched any of them because they they all seem to look like very you know uh, straight to video family type films. But this one is actually you know just legitimately funny. It's uh, it's set up sort of like your channel surfing, and you have you know, game shows where they do, like, blind archery competitions are then, then they have, like, you know, sadomasochistic hillbillies who are, like, just dismembering themselves. But probably the funniest thing in there is they do kind of like a a parody of the slasher film or the zombie film um, where everybody is, you know, trapped in, like, the spooky house and... Everyone's playing it straight, except for Tommy Blaze. He's in each of these sketches, but he plays a different character. And uh, he's like this dude from New York who's like, what the fuck was that? Was that a point of view shot? Why did you cut out the window? Somebody's watching me out the window. Obviously, the killer's outside. And, and you know, it, it's got, you know, some fun TNA, just like you would expect from a trauma comedy from the mid-90s. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a fun time. So if you haven't seen it, it is on Troma now. And also, it's on DVD, um, the Tube Top Double Feature with Baconhead. So, and, and what's the name of it again? That one is Viewer Discretion Advised. See, this is why I was looking forward to our discussion, and I is, like I was hoping you were going to pick something I've like never heard of from the Troma filmography. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie I am completely unaware of. And so this is great. Yeah, no, I have not seen this. I am not familiar with that at all. It sounds super interesting. It sounds really fun. It's I, it's pretty funny, and it's, you know, I don't know why it doesn't have a bigger following, but it definitely should. It's yeah. it's, uh, it's just a funny movie. Uh, what, what, I'm sorry, what was the year it was from? Uh, uh, I be- it was mid-90s for sure. Let's see. It says the uh, 98. It says oh, on the wow. back of the, the tape, so. Yeah. 
I remember hearing that title, like, or hearing of the title, but not knowing what it was about. And I, and I definitely didn't know it was trauma. So that's, that's it was cool. one of those. I saw the trailer for that. I forget. It was before a VHS that I had. Um, it might have even. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but the trailer just always looked pretty goofy. So uh, back when Virgin Megastores were a thing, um, I tracked <laughs> it down and I paid like 40 bucks for the tape. And uh, <laughs> and it, it was definitely worth it. <laughs> that Okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, that's when we, yeah. we've got to check out, Lucas. Absolutely. All right, um, so uh, my number four... I'm hoping I may have one here that, Zach, you haven't seen. Have you seen Sick Sock Monsters from Outer Space? I have not seen Sick Sock Monsters from Outer Space. This has been, like, the hidden gem of, from what Lucas and I have, from movies that we haven't seen before, this is my favorite because it is the most absolutely batshit insane. It's a... um, all sock puppet but one person there is one person that appears on camera but the rest of the cast is all sock puppets and it's and it's a uh science fiction dystopian comedy horror musical um but that all makes it sound like it's silly but it's actually this really serious attempt at being an art film and then it's yeah and, and um and oh shit, I am terrible here. What country was uh, Six it's Sock? Italy. Italy. Thank you. It's an Italian film, and it's purely the type of thing I never would have seen if not for trying to research Troma's catalog. And that my, I feel like my life is richer having seen this, just because it is so artistically insane. And this is um, a relatively recent release. If I recall correctly, the movie was released in Italy in I think like. 2014 or 2017 it's it's been in the past couple of years and it's one of Troma's more recent acquisitions and I was on their website doing a uh, a big buy of a bunch of stuff because Troma on their website has pretty fantastic prices on their products mm-hmm. and I am not sponsored by Troma at all Troma I would love some money I know you have no money but I just give you a plug right there um, <laughs> I, I bet you could get a retweet from Lloyd yeah. <laughs> oh, we've we've gotten all the retweets we can handle. I need I need some cold hard cash by this point. But yeah, I'm still plugging <laughs> up. Wrong wrong, uh, wrong movie studio then. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Our Charlie t- Band. <laughs> Man. That was Lucas's original idea, and that's it not was. a joke. <laughs> Get <God>. mooned. <laughs> oh, God damn it! But all right, but back to six sock monsters from outer space. <laughs> It's actually, like, a really fascinating movie to me that it's something that literally anyone could have filmed in their bedroom, and it's just using sock puppets and home CGI effects and green screen technology. And obviously the people who made this put a lot of thought into it, a lot of care into it, and they made something just absolutely insane and unique. Do I think most people would like it? The answer is firmly no. But like I said, like it operates as like an art film, and it's something that I personally find like inspiring. I think it's the fact that it exists is fantastic, and it's so far my favorite of the movies I haven't seen uh, since we started doing the show, and now I've seen. This is the one that I like sing the praises of the most, just because it's the most unique. Nice. 
I will definitely be checking that one out. <laughs> it's yeah. insane, dude. You gotta see it. It's like I said, you might not like it, but you'll walk away from it just being like, "Fuck!" You gotta give them credit for making it. I mean, yeah. I yeah, I I own a crazy amount of trauma movies. I can't say that I love all of them, but I will watch. I will watch every trauma movie that I could get my hands on. <laughs> Totally that, that's what that's what spurred us for doing having these conversations and doing this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now we have to watch every trauma movie, whether we want to or not, Jeff. <laughs> oh, you're God, gonna get no. to like wasabi tuna, and you'll be like, I didn't know trauma had an Anna Nicole Smith movie. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I I did not know that, and I also did not know it was called wasabi tuna. And the fact that it's also funny because I 100% believe you in all of this. <laughs> it's. Yeah, they, I don't know. I don't know if they still have the rights for that one, but uh, the, the trauma has an Anna Nicole Smith movie. Or did at one point. <laughs> okay, this is what's gonna doom Lucas and I is we're counting every movie the trauma has had the rights to and currently has the rights to. So uh, that's what I'm doing is, too. <laughs> yeah. So oh, all three of us are doomed. We're yeah. th- this will be our hell. <laughs> this will be our this will be our per- personal journey through the pit. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather go through all the the trauma library than than the whole Marvel catalog. So that's fair. What, what do you fair. say to someone that's attempting both? <laughs> well, hopefully you don't get bored around Ragnarok like I did. <laughs> I've already I've already seen them all. I've already seen them all. I'm already, I like this, this. This is the this is my brain. I don't know too many three-hour trauma movies. <laughs> that is a oh, fair that's, point. Oh, that's a good point. That is that's a, a good fucking point. point. <laughs> that has saved us already on a few episodes. Is, uh, it was just an hour and a half. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I would have done if Luther the Geek was, was three hours. <laughs> I'm thinking Surf Nazis must die. Yeah, yeah. Oof. <laughs> um, All right. Okay, who, who, uh, who think it's my turn? Yeah. Uh, so number four for me has got to be Father's Day, um, because you know, I it it wasn't a movie I saw coming at all. Like, I mean, I I didn't see it when it came out because it was the year I got married. So I just obviously had other things on my mind. Um, I I love trauma, but not not that much. Um, and uh, I uh, you know. I, so I so the first time I actually watched it was for the show, and I was just so into it because I love like grind grindhouse and exploitation films, and I feel like there's a lot of movies out that pay tribute to that whole style, but like um, they don't have the attention to detail that Father's Day has. Like I mean, I think a lot of a lot of movies that try to do that, they'll just like throw some digital grain on the film and call it a day. But like, but uh, but Father's Day feels like one of those movies. Yeah, there there was definitely that trend that happened where you you know because of Grindhouse and Hobo with the shotgun, and you could always yeah. tell like the the imitators of of that uh, of that, but and you could also tell that people understood what they were actually going for in father's day you could tell they understood the oh, yeah. source material i mean those astron six guys they're they're talented filmmakers oh, so. they're incre- they're amazing they're absolutely amazing i was lucky to catch that one in the theater when it came, oh nice came around nice are you serious you saw it in the theater 
Yeah, so when that that one um had one of the the rare um things for Troma to be a non-Lloyd movie that they toured around. Um mm you know theatrically uh, the other one you know since then is mutant blast which i haven't had a chance to see yet i, I want to um, see that one as well it looks it looks, it looks yeah. bonkers but yeah um it wouldn't it, it was a fun time in the theater and i i saw the trailer for that one and it i did not realize it was going to be as silly as it was but <laughs> i definitely appreciate the humor in that and is you know, kind oh, of yeah. like the the prize in the cracker jack box Oh, yeah. the the humor in it is just for my sense of humor. It's one of like the, the funniest <laughs> movies I've ever seen, and like I rave about. Um, uh, I don't want to do a spoiler for anyone listening to this that hasn't seen it, but the very end, the very last note mm-hmm. that it ends on with the cre- where the credits start the roll. I first time I saw it, I lost my shit laughing hysterically. <laughs> And I am a, but all I think I've proved was I'm just an absolute sick fuck. Um, yeah. I, uh, Father's Day is actually my very favorite movie that from Troma that isn't a Lloyd Kaufman movie. And I'd put it as my second favorite tro- Troma movie, period. This was number two on my list. Um, it was one of the ones I picked that I just adore. I love Father's Day. And... Um, I would highly encourage anyone that's like maybe listen to this and didn't hear our past episodes, Lucas and I's past episodes, that uh, also I do a deep dive that the whole release of Father's Day was really fucked up, and it seemed Troma and Astron Six, the artistic collective who made it, went to serious headbutting over it, and I actually didn't realize all that until. I was researching for recording our episode. Um, I I just kind of was like a passive fan. I had no idea. And I thought the whole thing was just, like, just fascinating. And I don't Mm -hmm. even know what really all happened. In the episode, I was able to detail some of the things I was able to figure out. But there's also a lot of shit behind the scenes that we don't know what happened. And, And I think it's also worthwhile having a movie like that on a list discussion like this because... There are some people who do report having bad experiences with trauma. And Father's Day is uh, one of those movies. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, some bad blood between those guys, but they are talented filmmakers. They they uh, also, uh, Troma put out a collection of their short films, which if you don't yeah. have, oh, yeah. the, Ast- the Astronaut 6 are funny. And then it's not a Troma one, but if you haven't um, seen it, the... Um, their movie, The Editor, is yes. fantastic. I, 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 I've seen it. I didn't, I didn't like I, it nearly as much as Father's Day, but it's such a different movie. I, I, I thought it was it yet, just like I, a, it, I, I just thought it was a really, like, I've never seen a parody of a Giallo movie really like that before. Yeah, so Lucas, was, you would love it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, Italian stuff is my is my jam. So yeah, I'm you, sure you would love would, it. Yeah. You need to see the editor, Lucas. You you would, especially if you like Father's Day. Like it's the same team doing a parody of Jalo films, and it's it's really it's really well done. All I can say is it just did not speak to me as much as Father's Day did. Okay. And also, a lot of people that were involved with Father's Day 
um, made uh, Psycho Gorman, which a lot of people are loving right now. It's on Shudder. Um, once again, for myself personally, it's not to the same flavor as Father's Day, so I don't like it as much. But, like, the people involved with it are super talented, and they keep making movies that keep hitting the mark on the audience they're attempting to reach. I mean, like, yeah, they made The Void as well. So, oh yeah. Which, oh, and I love the void. Okay, that that was one that I that, that that I really liked. I thought the void was fantastic. The void was spooky. I, yeah. I liked. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Um, weirdly, like my wife watched that with me, and she's not a horror fan at all, and she was like really upset by the end. <laughs> I felt kind of bad. <laughs> like, of all the ones you could have sat down with me with, it yeah. was this one, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. I once watched Irreversible on a date. Ooh. <laughs> I <Yikes>. so <laughs> my the very you know off trauma, but um <laughs> one of one of my one of my exes was going through one of those lists um that are like the ten most fucked up movies of all time. And so <laughs> she's like, Do you own these? And for a while I was, you know, just trying to get the the worst of the worst of everything. And now I have a collection of movies that just collect dust because the rewatchability on them. But so, Jeff will um, buy them from you. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, those are some of my favorite movies. <laughs> they, no way, man. They're so expensive. <laughs> They're so rare. <laughs> but so oh, uh, I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing the uh, Toe Tag Productions. Oh yeah, I got some of that. But the yep. you know the number one on on all of that stuff was always Serbian films. So she's like, like I want to watch this, and I was like. Like, we've had hard times with just, like, kind of pedestrian horror movies. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I want to see this. I was like, I don't know. It's not a good idea. And then, so, she eventually, you know, kept asking. I was like, all right, but don't feel like we need to finish it. If you want to tap out at any point, she watched the whole thing, and then we broke up. <laughs> but see, that, That's funny because, and this is not remotely a joke, and, and like, so many people are going to think when I say this that this is me giving some, like, off-top, like, offbeat humor. No, it's not. People that know me in my real life know this is 100% true. No movie has got me laid more than a Serbian film. Um, Because... It's a com... I have a big argument that a Serbian film is a comedy. It is the oh, horror it's... scenes version of the aristocrats joke, yep. and yeah. I have a firm argument about this. It's yeah, it's definitely a kind of like a, a, you know the killing of a sacred deer. It's a black comedy and not a horror film. I truly argue that. Like the first time I saw it, it made me burst out laughing at several points. But like I, I've worked in the uh, extreme horror industry for a very very long time. At least that's how it feels for me, and. So when I date chicks, they'd be like, oh, uh, so, uh, like I like horror movies. They'd be like, I like horror movies. Oh, you do the extreme stuff. What's the most extreme? And I was like, well, in terms of visually what you see on screen, it's two movies. It's a, a Serbian film and a Human Centipede 2. And I'd argue those are the two most extreme movies ever made in terms of what you see on screen. And they'd always be like, all right, I want to see a Serbian film. They never pick Human Centipede 2. They always pick out a Serbian film. And I'd keep dating them. And, like, I, I, I'd always get laid that night. Um, and they'd always also be like, it wasn't that bad. I have dated some freaky chicks. <laughs> you must have. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, enough about my sex life. Let's get back to the list. Um, let's get back to Tromaville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that it was Father's Day that caused us a gigantic detour. Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. That'll happen. All right. I think uh, think uh, you're. Am I next? For no, for what was number three? Well, number three, three of my movies have so far been talked about because Lucas took one of mine right there, and I know I oh, took yeah. one of yours, Zach. <laughs> so and, unless you want to add in another one, just add in as many movies as you want. It's <laughs> cool. E- easy enough. But my number three, the first Lloyd movie of the of the show, Class of Newcom High. Nice. This movie I saw after I've seen like Tromeo and Juliet and a bunch of the other stuff. It was just hard to track down. Yes. Um, but when I finally got to see it, it it just I any movie that has punks in it from the eighties is gonna like hold a special place in my heart. And they're just so wild and just the the green the green gore and goop is so green and goopy and. It's it's just a lot of fun. It's you know it's a good party movie. Like I, it, it's just a great time. Oh man, I love I love Class of Newcomb High. It is just an absolute fucking stone cold classic. It and what's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm butchering the song. Whatever the theme song is, fucking killer as well. Like I love it. I love it so much. I'm but sorry. Jeff, you maintain seen. you maintain that the punks in this movie are not punks. They... No, they're not. They have nothing to do with '80s punks. And in fact, Lloyd Kaufman himself said he was inspired by being at like a film festival, and I, th- I want to say it was like Denmark or it was like it was like or or Sweden, some country like that, and he met some punks that looked like. Um, the, some people that look like punks that were a fan of his work, and that's what he based the Newcomb High off of. So it's Lloyd Kaufman doing like Scandinavian punks, which by them, the fact that they're Scandinavian punks are also a little, who knows what those people are doing out there in the cold. Um, and as someone highly, highly involved in the punk scene, the whole 80s punk thing in media is just bizarre and how removed it is from actual real life 80s punks but i love the aesthetic i love the aesthetic well i i i would even go as far to argue that the punks in newcomb high more or less inspired a generation of of punk rockers to look that way. No, no, it, they, they were riffing on like, what's called the UK 82 movement, which was like the exploited. And I actually like the exploited. is actually the only band I can name off the top of my head from that movement. But they were the ones that did all the super now, fucking crazy dress. Now, when we, when we uh, covered this movie, um, we, we, uh, we believe we discovered a, a hidden, um, sad, uh, story about the monster at the end. Um, thank you for bringing this up. Yeah. So, um, the, the monster is, is the spawn of, of the two leads. You yeah. Know, Warren, it, Warren and Chrissy's, uh, Warren and Chrissy. And it's kind of going after them. I think it's going after them because it wants a hug. I don't. I don't think it was trying to eat them. It, and it kills everyone that threatens them, and never actually lays a claw onto its parents. 
It just wanted a fucking hug. This and, is a tragedy. And we laser. I it. never thought of it that way, but you're definitely right. <laughs> <laughs> I we I, I I've never seen anyone post about this anywhere, put forward this theory anywhere, and I'm not sure how we ran ourselves in the circles talking about this movie, but we eventually got to the point. It's like, wait a minute, Jeff. Our episodes a, are really long. I know, I know, and it's like we. Wait, this is a tragedy. This is this is a tragedy of a child longing for its parents and being denied that due to the capitalistic technocratic system. I I I, I lost my rant there. <laughs> um so is it my turn? <laughs> it is. It is. All right. <laughs> So uh, my number three is also a Lloyd movie. It's it's um, Toxic Avenger. I mean, that's that's yeah. the easy one. Like, I mean, I can't not choose that movie on my top five. I've seen it more times than I can count. Um, some of my fondest memories are like watching it stoned with my friends and like reciting all the lines, which, of course, pissed off the people who were with us and hadn't seen it before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It has a lot of heart, and it's just one of the most rewatchable, I would say, um, in in the trauma catalog. And I I will say that 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 would have been my number one <laughs> is the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> Hell yeah! Nice. Um, yeah, I mean if if it wasn't for Cannibal the Musical, I would have never known about trauma. If it wasn't for the Toxic Avenger, I would have never been a filmmaker. So. Wow. It's, uh, it, you know, watching that movie just, you know, it changed my life. I had no idea that you could watch a movie and feel like you could make that movie at the same time. Um, I don't know if there's another movie I've seen more than the Toxic Avenger. I have a Toxie tattoo. Um, Hell's you know, yeah. I, have, cool. I have all of his action figures. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's definitely my favorite favorite movie i uh got fortunate enough i met mark torgel one time and i <laughs> fanboyed out and he <laughs> this was like at like a second or third convention and um and he never really i don't think he ever met a fanboy like me before <laughs> who was like how so he's like yo mark when you're filming this scene in Toxic Avenger, when you're rolling on the pavement, you see the fire on the on the policeman's hand. You could clearly see some of the fire hit your arm. Do you still have a scar from the Toxic oh Avenger? Oh, my God. And so, yeah, and he's like, oh, I, yeah, I definitely still do have a scar from the... I <laughs> oh, that's know. incredible. And so, yeah, he... Uh, but it, it was cool, um, and that me meeting him got documented in his movie the toxic tutu um if you if you watch that movie i haven't even heard of that what is that so he made a movie it's it's a weird meta pseudo sequel to the toxic avenger it's hard to describe but basically after the toxic avenger the plot anyways of the of his movie is whatever happened to mark torgel like why is he not doing all these horror movie conventions and so he come, decides to come back on the scene because he's trying to um, unravel a plot that the toxic waste that they actually used in the Toxic Avenger was real. And um, he got... <laughs> that sounds great. 
Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon Prime. The director um, unfortunately passed away right before the release of the movie, um, but it's it's out. It's fun. It has um, Darcy, the male girl from Joe Bob's Drive-In. Oh, cool! Uh, so yeah. She she stars in it, and it's yeah, Lloyd's in it. It's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. And then you can see me a few minutes in in the movie, just uh, geeking out <laughs> on Mark Torgel. <laughs> and, and, and the name again, please. That one's called Toxic Tutu. It's not a trauma movie, but uh, it's it it's its own thing. But if you like like the toxic, oh adventure. shit! Um, I actually did come across the name of this on a when I was uh, doing a deep dive on uh, I forget which trauma movie. Some podcast I was listening to for research mentioned Toxic Tutu. Yes, hmm. yes, I I definitely need to see this. We might need to uh, break the break the rules for that one, and we've and already done it. One. We've already done it like twice so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. Oh, um, I I guess I I don't really have anything to add. Toxic Avenger fucking kicks ass. We're eventually gonna be covering I mean, on the show. Like it's it's a Stone Cold classic. Like what? what okay, I don't yeah. think I don't think any of us honestly would be doing this podcast if it wasn't for the Toxic event. Absolutely not. No. Uh yeah yeah no <laughs> like 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 and oh I do have one thing to add. I do have one thing to add because I just looked it up because uh, Lucas and I figured this out at some point earlier in one of our episodes, and I think this is actually like legit inspiring. Lloyd Kaufman made the Toxic Avenger when he was 39. So hmm. he was just shy of 40 before, like he had been working very hard for a long time before then. Like don't, yeah. don't discount that at all. But he was 39 when he finally figured out what it is that like made his artistic vision unique. And I'd argue mm-hmm. that his artistic vision really cements itself as at the Toxic Avenger then going forward and he did that at 39 um like there's this whole viewpoint that like if you don't have your shit figured out like uh you know when you're young that like it's never going to get there and this is somebody that's like pat like the past the average like celebrity age whatever in modern american culture and he only kept building from that point and that's also to be like oh i'm older than 30 if someone listening to somebody oh i'm older than 39 like like what am i gonna do it's like no you can do it at any point in your life it just takes effort and eventually you can figure out that thing that makes you unique in your creative vision like Mm -hmm. i find Lake Hoffman's so inspiring, and all of trauma, Toxic Avenger, it's the reasons why. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, is it me? For, wait, who's next? Yeah, I think it's you. You haven't, you haven't oh. uh, had one in uh, a while because we've stole all your choices. Yeah. Uh, only, it was only one. It was just Father's Day. So, and, my other and- choice... <laughs> The other choice I'm going to bring up is a Lloyd Kaufman, uh, Lloyd Kaufman joint. Let's, let's call it that. But not a movie, a documentary. I'm going to bring up all the love you cons or cans or how the fuck do we? How the fuck it's do we? It's can. <laughs> it's can. All yeah. the love you can. The S is silent. <laughs> but it's, it spells C A N N E S. Um, it is a. For anyone that's listening, uh, doesn't know, because outside of, actually, I already brought six sock monsters. Uh, that's probably more <laughs> obscure than this one. 
but it's a, a documentary about the Truman Film Crew at the Cannes Film Festival. All right, I got it. And um, and it starts off as a fantastic how-to guide to being an independent artist at a film festival, but it really translates to anyone aspiring to be uh, professionally creatively involved and going to, like, say, a convention or anything like that. Starts off with good tips with all sorts of different things, and it just spirals downward into a complete shit show as everything falls apart with all their both volunteer and paid-for help. And as somebody that has been, like, professionally going to conventions for over a decade, it is kind of, like, one of the most honest portrayals of what it's like doing that type of work and all the things that go wrong and all the people that don't take shit seriously mm-hmm. and fuck shit up that I have ever seen. It's In terms of being a professional creative, it is one of the single best documentaries I have ever seen on it because nobody ever talks about or shows that side of it. It's I, also one of the most uncomfortable for the reasons you outlined. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I know Trauma filmed a follow up called Occupy Can. Um, yes. And I would love to see have that see the light of day to see. I've seen, you know, footage of the Trauma team getting harassed by the French SWAT team. Um, sure. Because when they went back to Can to promote uh, the Return to Nukem High movies, um, the the major studios have, you know, firmly grabbed the the cross set a lot more than it was in in the All the Love You Can, and they were told that Trauma is not allowed into these hotels anymore. Uh, they're not allowed to do their parades. Um, so basically, Trauma was kicked off of Can, and they've been going since the early seventies um, mm. to promote their yeah. stuff. And so they made a whole documentary about that, and I, I, you know, I don't think it's done. I think Lloyd's daughter actually direct is directing that one. So yeah, I'd be really curious to see to see that when it comes out. And I've done the um, the film festival circuit with Troma um, at the Troma Dance Film Festival back when that was in Park City, Utah, and we had a lot of the same problems out there as they did in um, in All the Love You Can, you know, just. You know, screenings, you know, sometimes going right, but a lot of harassment from the major studios and the local police not letting us promote trauma um, out there in a studio-run city. So it's pretty, you know, uh, ocean ocean apart, but it's still the same. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've I've been working, like, in independent art, and I have – hell, I have – I was once – this is no joke at all – I am the only author I am aware of that has been escorted out of a convention by local police. And for the record, it was also a Star Trek convention that I got escorted out of by police. Um, What did you do, Jeff? (laughs) I, I did my reading. I am not joking at all. Um, I I, uh, I have a reading, quote unquote reading. I don't actually read anything. I have a um, a audio recording of myself playing a uh, that's playing a recording of me reading a chapter from my book Shatner Quake, where Captain Kirk fights 
William Shatner in the dealer's room floor at the convention, and I have a recording of it playing while I reenact it with everything that's happening with cardboard props, and it ends with me disemboweling myself with um, newspaper intestines. I didn't even get to the disemboweling part. Uh, this is no joke. I had the uh, uh, police called on me for creating a, uh, uh, a creating a public disturbance. And um, it's also a fun fact, the only one of my readings that my parents have ever been in attendance for. <laughs> so the only time my parents have ever seen me do what I do creatively and professionally, it was the one time that the cops shut me down and escorted me out of the building. For the record, I was cursing too much, apparently, uh, on my recording, and it was being offensive, which somebody called the cops over too much cursing, and the cops actually fucking bothered to show up at a Star Trek convention in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and so, so seeing the trauma team going to the cops, I'm like, ah, like, been there. It fucking sucks. But I, I, I just, I just love the one documentary we did get in just how brutally honest it is. And that's a thing that I love for a lot of traumas presentation. And as someone that's also an independent artist, I find very inspiring that they're very brutally honest in what works well, what doesn't work well. Um, and that's just something you don't see pretty much anywhere. Yeah. I, I would say between that and farts of darkness and apocalypse soon, like those three documentaries by Tromo are like just some of the most like realistic portrayals of that whole like world. You know, I mean, I, I love how they just don't. Yeah. They just didn't, pull any punches in those documentaries like they didn't edit it to make themselves look better or anything like there's just like sometimes shit goes wrong you know i don't know i really respected that so uh, on the feature film i made adam the amazing zombie killer uh we did take a page from the trauma book and instead of just making adam um we also made a feature-length documentary at the same time of us made just just trauma style the way they did it too um, where we don't pull any punches either and not, you know, not afraid to make ourselves look bad because we I've learned more um, from watching those making of documentaries um, than, you know, a lot of film school that I went to. So we thought we would even share that, you know, with our movie because there's a lesson to be learned on any movie that's being made. So we made our own feature length documentary, which. Um, that that one's on YouTube, the Rock and Bowl, the making of Adam, the amazing zombie killer, and cool. um, like it's cr crazy. You see us filming the movie and losing actors, losing locations. I had to learn <laughs> how to walk halfway through the movie. Oh Jesus! So, yeah, so it's you know it shows all the ups and downs of making a movie, um, and we learn that from from trauma, like. There's there's uh, how good your story is that you're making. You could make a better one, just the behind the scenes. So, mm. well, when we cover your movie, we'll also be watching that documentary. Cool. Yeah, it's on YouTube. So, how's that? Cool. All right. All right. So that was my pick. Who's next? I have one left. I don't know. Uh, I have two left. I have one left. Somebody, oh shit! It's, it's Lucas then. It is is my turn. Okay, so my number two is another Lloyd movie. It is uh, the first turn on. Um, I think it is. Uh, you know, well, 
Um, I think it's the best of the early sex comedies that they did. I that we've seen so far. Yeah, that we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, it's also the last of the ones they did before they pivoted to stuff like Toxie and and Class of Newcomb High. Um, it's such a fun movie. Like, I did not expect to laugh nearly as much as I did while watching it. Um, and I don't know. I think it's just um, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, if if I mean, so far from the ones that I've seen, like if 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 you're someone who's curious about what trauma did before the Toxic Avenger, like, I think this is probably your best bet. I love Lloyd's sexy comedies. I came to Troma for the blood and gore, and I stuck around for Lloyd's, you know, comedic sensibilities. He's mm-hmm. really funny, and even even if, you know, the Toxic Avenger didn't have all the stuff that makes it so special, the humor in it is great. And I think those sexy comedies are... I, I am very much looking forward to hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, but I want... I would just love for Lloyd to make just a straight on comedy again. Like, yeah. like, like Patty says in, um, in uh, return to return to Newcomb high where Dumbo didn't need the feather to fly. You don't need all this gross stuff to make a good movie. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I think Lloyd's really talented and a really funny person. Um, I just interviewed him not too long ago on a different podcast. Uh, yesteryear Ballyhoo review, where we talk about classic cinema and his love for like um, Charlie Chaplin, um, which you could definitely see like in the, oh, yeah. in the first turn on and all those sexy comedies. And um, you can, I, I'd say, I'd argue you see it up to his modern day work. You're saying Charlie Chaplin and him citing it. Like uh, uh, the last movie I saw of his was Return to Newcomb High volume two. And like, even up till then, Charlie Chaplin, if he's saying that, I can obviously see that as an influence. Yeah. And like, even just, um, like looking at the how he directs background actors, like uh, mm-hmm. like in the old Keystone Cop shorts, it's like like I just love his comedic sensibility. Some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen Lloyd do is just on fresh on set. Like he's you know he's like almost eighty and he's as sharp as a tack. He's super funny and and I I think everyone should watch at least one of the sexy comedies. The first turn on is. Is I yeah I agree that's probably the best of all of them. But they all they all are special. They all yeah. they all are pretty fun. One of my favorite parts of it is like the um the way the orgy scene at the end is shot. Like it's like it's almost shot like a Kenneth Anger movie or something. Like it's like really artistically like I don't know. <laughs> it's not what I expected. <laughs> And we say about background actors. I just got to bring up the butler. And oh my the, god, the yeah. butler is like, in my opinion, the funniest scene of the movie. That act, that guy steals the entire fucking movie. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name right now. I believe we looked him up and figured it out. But holy shit, I think that was hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, Mark Torgel is also in the first yes. turn on. He so. is. He is. <laughs> That which, scene is something else. <laughs> which the first time seeing, because like I saw that way after the Toxic Avenger, I had no idea he was even in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, and my mind was blown. It's like holy shit, it's Melvin the Mop Boy, and he's like giving a piece of corn a blowjob and rubbing yes. that potato. <laughs> <Yeah. in there. laughs> 
Oh, and that's so gross. It is so gross. It's such a vile scene, but I love it. <laughs> it it's, it's so great. It is so gross. Uh, so this, does that come to me for the uh, last round of picks? I think so. Excellent. All right. So I'm ending on uh, my legit number one favorite trauma movie. Uh, the movie which my partner, which has been having to endure me, indulging my trauma obsession with Lucas. This is the only movie that she has said is like, oh, no, this is a good movie, is Poultrygeist. I fucking adore Poultrygeist. I also um, argue it is the crowning achievement of Lloyd Kaufman's artistic career thus far, of his perfect uh, summarization of his underground artistic low-budget film sensibilities with his political... Um, social satire, social commentary he wants to make. I think it is, as his artistic thesis statement, his most succinct and best-realized work, period. Um, Zach, I know you worked on it. I know I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I legit think this is the absolute best thing that has come out of Troma, period. I think it's legitimately a genius masterpiece of cinema. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> no, you were, um, you were the. I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but the, uh, the 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 official title is is Blood Boy, correct? Yeah. So, um, so my story on Poultry Geist was I answered an ad on Troma's website. Um, they were looking for volunteers, so I went out there, and um, I started as a PA. I was mopping an abandoned McDonald's and um, and I went out there with with one of my buddies, Richard Taylor, who I make make movies with. And um, we're we're just doing grunt work. And one of Gabe Friedman, the writer, producer, he recognized us because a few years before they were doing calls for submission for the Toxic Avenger 21st anniversary DVD. And we recorded a music video of my buddy Richard playing the Toxic Avenger theme song outside of Columbine High School on his accordion. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and I, was I love it, as, but holy shit. <laughs> and I was dressed up as Toxie running around Columbine. And, <laughs> uh, and then we do, like, a head smash. So, um, Oh, my God. This is glorious. So... He he remembered us and I, I, how I, do you forget I, that? Like, oh yeah, like you, you, yeah, of course he remembered you. <laughs> so we uh, so he asked he remembered the head smash and he asked if we wanted to be blood boys for the movie. And having seen Terror Firmer and you know Trent Haga's like infamous line, blood boy, where's the blood boy? We may need more blood. It's like of course. I want that job on a trauma movie. So uh, two weeks in, um, we were making blood. There was four of us making blood, um, Kevin Barnes and Kyle Frieden. And we were in an abandoned church's basement, uh, just mixing up vats and vats of blood, poop and um, semen and chicken poop. And we, you know, sprayed it around an abandoned McDonald's in the middle of, of the hood in Buffalo uh, for three months. It was, uh, yeah, it was a g- glorious uh, time in my life. <laughs> it's, uh, 
one thing I want to ask you about with that is uh, one thing that's been brought, it was brought up in the um, uh, it's, a, it's a farts of darkness is the poultry in motion. Oh, no, poultry, no, poultry in motion is a documentary. Yeah, it was brought up in the poultry in motion. I always get the titles of all the behind the scenes <laughs> documentaries confused in my head. Though that one should Wait. stick in my mind because it's poultry guys and it's poultry emotion. <laughs> I like for whatever reason like the that the title for the return to Newcomb High ones is Two Girls One Duck. That one's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, but uh, it was brought up in the documentary, and I'm like so curious about this. And I've seen Lloyd talk about it a bunch of places about how, in some ways, dangerous the shoot was, and that like. At points that uh, people weren't leaving the set um, unless they had like uh, yeah we had, we had to have security um, yeah as, so um, this McDonald's we were filming in um, we were told was the most robbed McDonald's in the United States um, it yeah. got shut down because they were selling crack through the drive-through. So it was oh, a legitimate abandoned McDonald's and on top of that, the intersection that it was at was in the middle of two different gangs uh, turf. So, so what, like we would be sitting on our, um, you know, just outside waiting to film or whatever. And it was like, I'm going to go grab a drink from the bodega across the street. And they're like, no, 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 you need to have security. And it's like, it's just right there. And then we see some dude walking down the street and, and uh, a car pulls over. Fucking people get out, drug him in the car, and took off. Holy and, shit! And like that was like a a regular thing. Like like it was it was scary. Like we would have you know sketchy dudes like walking up on set all the time. And and so like and security, it's trauma. So it's not like it's like real security. It was like a bunch of like just really like beefy good old boys from the South who, who also <laughs> answered the ad on the trauma website. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like I've made a movie and they're like, all right, you guys are big. You're going to be security <laughs> guards. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus. Oh man. So, uh, okay. It, uh, I'd like to have that confirmation. Cause I, I thought it was legit. And I was just curious what your take on it was. Yeah. One of the, our, the casting director, he got, jumped one day coming home i remember and his like wallet got stolen so it it was it was scary although one of the funniest things right so it's if you look at the the restaurant in the movie there's all these now hiring signs and grand opening signs yeah that was up all the time so it being where it was we would have a lot of people coming up um, looking for job applications, oh. and they're like, "Well, just tell my parole officer I came by looking for a job." Then, <laughs> and, oh. and so that's just sad in all honesty. Like, what, one of the funniest experiences, though, and it's pretty, you know, off color, but it was very funny. Let's was, hear it. Was somebody came up and they were they were you know came asking when we we're gonna open. We're like, "Oh, it's a movie set. We're making a movie," and he was like. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. You open up a fake chicken restaurant in an all-black neighborhood. <laughs> oh man! I mean, I can see the argument. I, I, I can see, I can see what they're saying. <laughs> but it, it, we all, you know, we all had a good chuckle. Like they, then the the locals there, like eventually they, they got to know who we were, and and uh, the neighborhood like embraced the trauma team. And uh, like, and you can tell when you watch the movie because there's hundreds of chicken zombies in that parking lot, and that was yeah. just 
the trauma team going door to door in the neighborhood, handing out flyers, getting threatened by the locals, and then people being like, "Oh, actually, I do want to be a zombie in a movie." So, <laughs> so we're we're a lot of the, the lot of the zombies in that, and like local people in the neighborhood. Yep, just uh, people from around the block, and you know, trying oh, to put, awesome. the, put the casting call on their website. But it was a lot of just people from the neighborhood. Cool. So I, I do want to ask, though, also that on kind of like a meta artistic level of what I was saying of my personal opinion, it's the most realized Lloyd Kaufman project, in my opinion. And it, it combines his, his like all of his various aspects of filmmaking that he loves. And I know that his social political issues are really important to him. And I think it combines them all in the best way um one i'm curious do you agree with me on that and um two i know that i'm not the only one that makes that argument over poultry geist and i was wondering if on set as a trauma fan did you feel that he was making one of his best movies right then when so the the first part of your question um, I I would definitely agree with that. If you think about some of the trauma DVDs that were coming out around that time, um, Lloyd was you know uh, putting the PETA videos, like the Goldfinger yeah. video that Trauma uh, put out. Those were on the PETA or the PETA two um, Free Me videos were on all the DVDs. So and he he uh, was vegetarian. That being said, we still you know used real chicken parts in places, but you know it's all for the sake of art. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he's Lloyd's definitely passionate about animal rights and stuff like that. And, um, it, but it, it was surreal because you're also, we're working on a trauma movies, like being trapped in an ant farm. So you don't really know what's going on on the outside. So when we're filming all these fake protests and everything, and, you know, there's there's stuff that Lloyd wanted to touch on and the writer Gabe Friedman wanted to touch on, like the tortures in the Abu Ghraib. And there was I, I have some of those original um, thing, signs that she holds up still. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there's also a scene of, I, I believe, flipping through Polaroids uh, or, or something there. The chicken Abu Ghraib is in the movie. Yeah, so I, I have, like, some of the screen use signs that they use, but, um, like, you know, they wanted to touch on all these. At, in real life, though, that stuff was going on, so it was surreal being three months living in an abandoned church with, this was, like, pre-internet on your phone, like, I had a, you know, a Nokia with Snake on it. Like, so you're not getting the news where we have a three-hour turnaround, so we're not seeing any of this stuff going on. Um, no time to check MySpace back then. And then coming home and seeing um, the real protests happening outside of capitals and stuff at the same time. But, you know, thinking about, I agree with what they're doing, but how much of this is the flip-flop Starbucks drinking performative protests that we just filmed that we so it felt very true to life but it yeah that was it you but you know Lloyd is very passionate about about human rights in general i mean that's what he went to to college for in Yale 
um, was for human studies. So it's that's always, and you can tell that with all of his movies, mm-hmm. that's always going to be a big, big part of of all of that. And it definitely felt like that on set. And as far as like, is this going to be like the what'd you say, like the best of Lloyd's movies? Like, it's oh, hard. No, uh, to... Yeah, when you were on set, did. Like, regardless if you, if anyone disagrees with, like, my first part and, like, that political, um, artistic combination, regardless of that, Poultry Geist is commonly held as one of Lloyd Kaufman's best movies. Did you feel that at all while you were working on set, that you were going to be a part of one of Lloyd Kaufman's best movies? So, like I said, you're living in an ant farm, and you're really focused on, like, like, you're like, I have 15 special effects setups today, and you see Lloyd just, like, screaming and losing his shit, and you're like, <laughs> like, you're just like, like, oh, man, I just need to survive, like, the next shoot. It's like boot camp, like, filmmaking boot camp, and, but you nobody's getting paid, so you're all there because you believe that you're doing something worthwhile, and there is times when we were filming the parts for the uh, fast food, slow fast food love song for that music video. Whenever that song would play on set, everybody would kind of look around and we're like, we're making something special. Like, whenever you would hear that song, you know, we'd all kind of look at each other. It's like, we're making something special. Hand me that double-headed dildo. We need that over here (laughs) in this next shot. So... But yeah, no, it, it, uh, and at the time, you know, we, we weren't sure it was a very expensive movie for trauma to make. And, uh, like none of us were sure we're like Lloyd's getting up there. Maybe this is going to be his last movie. We like was, you know, some of us were talking on set and, you know, we just all felt honored to be part of the rich history uh, it, I did. I can't speak for anybody else because some people absolutely hated it there. But I felt very <laughs> honored to be part of the the rich history. If I could be, you know, just a footnote in Tromaville, I was happy. And I luckily got to do more than just be a footnote with that movie. But yeah. it was it definitely felt special and frantic and crazy and, and uh, <laughs> like a cult. Like, like special, like you felt in Jonestown. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I thank you so much for that insight. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so that was my number one pick. Who we got next? Lucas? Is it my turn? Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So my. Seriously, my... this is your number one pick? What? I have your list in front of me, and there's one movie missing. And I'm like, seriously? This is number one? Look, I told you this no particular order. It's just, you know. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bloodsucking Freaks. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, look, I it's here specifically because it profoundly affected me. Like, it made me think about things. It revolted me, and it made me laugh. Like, all of these things were true. Um, I... I was incredibly uncomfortable, like, from the first frame, and I don't know, I just can't remember being that frustrated and riveted at the same time by a movie. Um, and for that alone, it, it belongs on this list. 
I I remember the first time watching that movie, I was like, like I've seen the Toxic Avenger and Class of Nukem High and the Toxic <laughs> Avenger Part 3, and I've read Lloyd's book, and Bloodsucking Freaks, he says this movie's messed up. And then I was, you know, I'm expecting, like, a darker <laughs> Toxic Avenger. And I was like, I hated it the first time I watched that movie. I was like, oh, that's what this is. <laughs> and then... Like that sat on my shelf for a while, and then you just can't forget it. And no. The, no, you cannot. The more I the like, and I would just revisit it, you know, every so often. And I I grew to love that movie because it is it is really funny and uh, it's just insane. But yeah, <laughs> I, I legit love the movie. I cannot like recommend it to anyone no. at all. <laughs> And, uh, like, I was, I watched lots of sick, fucked up shit, and I was watching it, re-watching this for our episode we recorded, I was like, man, I hope my partner doesn't walk in on me watching yeah. this. She's, she's going to be like, what the fuck kind of porn are you watching now? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, this is a movie, it's a classic, I, I, I'm serious. Oh, but I, I love it, I, I legit love the movie, it is just really fucked up. And I'm a sucker for fucked up cinema, and I think it's one of those kind of fucked up classics that even people that watch a lot of extreme films miss out on. Yeah, it's, uh, I had the same thing with my wife. I did an episode on Bloodsucking Freaks as well. I listened uh, to a great episode. I encourage everyone that may hear this, hasn't heard the uh, Zach's Bloodsucking Freaks episode, great. Thank you. Um, that was that was one of the few I I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna watch this one by myself in the other room. You don't wanna, you don't wanna partake in this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, and I I'm not offended if, uh, if 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 like don't take any offense to not not what this this one. Yeah, it's like I will take your word on that. Thank you. <laughs> it is legit one of the most misogynistic movies I have ever seen in my entire life. And for anyone that, like, make yeah. it up in the arms of, like, oh, you're critiquing over misogyny. Yeah, I also really like the movie. All these things can be true at the same time. The criticisms mm-hmm. and the praise of the movie can all be true at the exact same time. Which I find it to be a fascinating work of art. Yep. And, and um, uh, Zach, you might get a kick out of this. And Lucas and I is doing deep research into the movie. Everyone involved with the movie... Um, the majority of people came from like the New York city porn scene Mm -hmm. and they thought they were making a mainstream horror movie. They legit thought that they were making something that would appeal to a mainstream audience. And a few of the people actually did go on to, uh, a couple did, but I mean, most of them like, like they just came from the, the porn scene in New York. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I just love the idea of like, all these people involved in porn making like, we're going to make a mainstream horror movie and this is what they made. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like the people going to see, um, this is what 1981, 82, something like that. Early eighties for sure. When yeah. Trauma got it. Cause it was put out as the incredible torture show. And yeah. Nobody, yeah, yeah. Nobody really watched it then apparently. But. Oh, blood sucking! Let's be honest. Trauma changing the name to blood sucking freaks is a great business decision because blood sucking freaks is a phenomenal title for a movie. Fits the movie perfectly, and 
I mean, like when I heard Blood Sucking Freaks, I was like, I've got to see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's a wild movie, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I applaud a- you, Lucas, for being bold to save that one for your last choice. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's and like you said, you know, it's a misogynistic movie. But they they always say it's like just because the movie is misogynistic doesn't mean the filmmaker is. But in this case, oh, yeah, totally. the filmmaker is very <laughs> misogynistic. <laughs> I mean, that may be the case. I don't I don't know him. I so I, I cannot uh, I cannot. Remember we talked about this. he died of uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, he was one yeah. of the first uh, celebrity deaths of yes. COVID. Yeah. Yes. He um. There's a documentary that I I'm, it wasn't available when I recorded my episode, um, but it's on Troma now. I believe it's called Read Unbound, uh, where they interview him. And I I read oh, a book. Shit, I had no um, idea. Yeah, and there's a book called Blood Sucking Freaks where it's you know I think it took place in like the 90s, and the guy interviewed Reed and I'm friends with the author of that book. Okay, yeah, and and the and man, like just reading like Joel and Reed's stuff, it's like, oh, this dude is. I mean, if I don't, I guess I don't want the director of Blood Sucking Freaks to not be what I exactly what I think he is, I guess. <laughs> but he's exactly how you would picture the director from Blood Sucking Freaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he came from like like pornography in New York City in late 70s early 80s which is pretty much mob controlled so we're talking like mob run pornography like like these people are kind of who you think they are and then but then you watch his movie like bloodbath and it's like a family film so it's (laughs) like who knows but man i still i i still love bloodsucking freaks so i'm happy you picked it lucas just so he gets a shout out like it's a weird piece of it's a weird ass movie. <laughs> well, I guess it's my number one. So my number one. You're gonna finish. Was, uh, you're gonna finish the show here, Zach. You gotta. Oh, I'm you gotta gonna get finish, something really I'm good here. Finish all over, you fellas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my my original number one was the Toxic Avenger. That movie is very special uh, to me. Like I had I had clips of it play at my wedding. Um, cool. So like it's it you know I I can't state state enough how much that movie means to me. But um, one of the reasons I wanted to start the Talk and Trauma podcast was because of this movie, and it was my number two. But I'm happy with it being number one. It is the film Frostbiter: Wrath of the Wendigo. And this is a movie. Remember that movie? Yeah, they they had the trailer for that before the Cannibal the Musical VHS. That was one of them I always saw, and one of the movies that got me into horror. So I was really into comedies and still am. Um, but I I liked uh, like the Monty Python, the the blood and the gore. And my buddy who got me into trauma movies told me about Evil Dead, and Frostbiter is uh, Evil Dead like homage so much to where the director Tom Cheney um, and, and the producer, they uh, worked on evil dead too. And they worked a lot with Sam Raimi. It's like a whole, like the same crew of filmmakers from the evil dead movies also went on to make this movie. It's about a stop motion Wendigo, and it stars Ron Ashton, who's the guitar player for the Iggy pop and the stooges. Cool. And 
in one of one of his you know horror he made a few different horror movies um uh the the producer whose name is slipping my head uh right now but um he uh gary jones directed another movie with ron ashton called mosquito um which also if you haven't seen it's great but frostbiter it's you know it's it's like evil dead but with you know more stop motion monsters and iggy pop from the stooges and troma added a crazy you know 90s you know kind of pop punk soundtrack so it's it's just it's a fun time and not that whenever i talk about trauma movies that was one that not everybody has seen and they should it's really good hopefully it's getting a blu-ray at some point but i know it's on trauma now so yeah i just brought it up i watch it tonight i i actually uh bought the dvd of frost spider because of your talking trauma episode oh, i have you. not watched it yet um because i am saving it to because i have not seen the movie yet and it's like since lucas and i are doing this trauma podcast i wanted to save it for us doing an episode but your episode on Frostbiter sold me so fucking hard <laughs> on seeing the movie, and I kind of can't believe I haven't seen it, and it sounds so awesome and so badass. I really, really want to, like, I have the DVD on my shelf right now, and so when Lucas and I get to it, which, since you picked it as your number one, it sounds like something Lucas and I are going to have to do sooner rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, when it starts to get to be the colder months, it's a good, like, you throw it in your it's, snowy winter movies. Well, I'm, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and it's already starting to get cool here. <laughs> I'm in Denver, so it's it right now it's, like, smoky. It's forest fire season still. <laughs> it's normally that way for us, and so we're just getting cold. But I'm in regardless, Texas. That's not so the point. Um, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Lucas is fucking awesome, Texas. <laughs> but um, but no, uh, your your episode on Frostbiter and the interview you did. Um, I'm sorry, who was it that you interviewed for I, your episode? I interviewed the director Tom Cheney and the producer Gary Jones. So there wasn't a lot of information about this movie so i i was like you know second episode in, i'm like fuck like i wrote myself into a wall because there's no no i want to do this as an episode but i can't find anything out about the movie so i like started looking for every single tom cheney on twitter that i could and i <laughs> and i tracked him down and then he was like hey do you want me to bring the producer on as well i was like hell yeah so we uh cool yeah we like, I did not think that would happen. That was my second episode, like, ever recording. Your, your interviews were fantastic. I highly encourage anyone that hears this, if, if you haven't heard the Talking Trauma episode, episode on Frostbiter, really fascinating um, inside story of a low-budget low budget special effect uh, cult movie that also just never really took off, which happens. And also, the weird come-around victory, which I don't want to spoil, but they got their own little fan base, which just filled me yeah. with fucking joy. And it was like, that was, like, so fucking cool. And I don't want to spoil that. Don't don't say what it is, Zach. Like, like make people <laughs> listen to your episodes to find out what I'm talking about. But there is, like, a happy fucking ending to it, which is just, like, amazing. And I admittedly, I'm aware of... Frostbiter, I remember being aware of it in high school, 
But you are correct. It was one of those ones I just never saw. And um, I obviously need to unfuck that. It it was just one of those trailers I saw that always stuck with me. And then um, I tracked it down in a video store and rented it. And I was like, this movie is amazing. So (laughs) it's, I, yeah, it's, it's just fun. And it's everything like when I think about trauma movies that aren't Lloyd, but what trauma brings to um, just filmmakers out there is they will give the first time filmmaker who made a low budget monster movie in uh you know the basement of a high that they shot in the basement of a high school uh, you know they'll give that movie a chance and yep. and Frostbiter is one of those and it's definitely deserves to be watched by everybody and it, especially like if anybody listening is a Iggy Pop fan cuz Ron Ashton's just goofy in that movie <laughs> cool so uh that's our list i i feel like uh just to finish up let's us each individually just quick say each movie just the titles of what we said just that way people that may be listening looking for things to recommend we can keep that fresh in their head um i had campbell the musical sick sock monsters from outer space uh father's day all the love you con and poultry geist all right. Um, I had Mother's Day, Father's Day, and it is worth mentioning that uh, they are not actually related, even though they are both <laughs> distributed by Trump. Yeah, completely unrelated um, movies. Uh, the Toxic Avenger, The First Turn On, and Blood Sucking Freaks. And I had Cannibal the Musical, Viewer Discretion Advised, Class of Newcomb High, The Toxic Avenger, and Frostbiter, Wrath of the Windigo. Cool. Zach, this is fucking amazing. Thank yeah, you so hell much. Yeah, man. Yeah, glad we uh, finally got a meet. This is great. It, it just turned out there were three nerds all at the exact same time period had the idea <laughs> of let's devote reasonable amounts of our lives to documenting low-budget films from 30 years ago. <laughs> yep. like, I was already doing this, just not recording it. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, That's it. Now somebody That's... else other than my wife gets to hear my thoughts on these movies. Good call. Good call. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the same, I believe, for all three of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome, man. fellas. So... Yeah, and if, if anybody's out there interested, uh, you can watch my movie, Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer. It's on Troma now. Um, and you, if you're listening to this and you don't have trauma now, what the hell's wrong with you? You're listening to a trauma podcast crossover with another trauma podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) you should have that. (laughs) Yeah. Amazingly, I still do not. However, I've been buying the physical copies. That's also good too. You could get those on traumadirect.com. Which I have. By trauma, but... (laughs) Yeah, none of us are. None of us are, and we're doing all this, all, all this uh, uh, brand endorsing for them. Troma, you owe us. We're all doing this pro boner, so. <laughs> I will accept the T-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, and if uh, and and everybody out there, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's on Talking Troma. It's on all of the different streaming 
podcast streaming services. I just did a, a special uh, music video special that's on YouTube only. It got censored a little bit by YouTube because of copyright stuff, but it's still up there and it's a lot of fun. And I'm about to start season two. I'm actually recording the first episode of season two next week. So when cool. I get a few in the bank, I'm going to start putting those out again. Excellent. Lots of oh, fun yeah. treats, talking trauma, Twitter at talking trauma. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lego Larry. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, Luke, we, uh, you want to endorse anything. Yeah, no, I uh, just, yeah, uh, you got a book, promote your book. I do have a book, uh, the final gate, uh, co-written by, uh, myself and Wesley Southerd. It is a tribute to Lucio Fulci movies. Um, basically, uh, yeah. Super gory. No eyeball is safe. Yeah, and I, I, I take care of cats in Portland, Oregon. If anyone listening has a cat in Portland, Oregon that <laughs> needs taken care of, I can do that. But outside of that, right now these days, make your own damn podcast. You're smart people. You can figure out how to find us. You can figure out how to find all of us. Just search us on Google. You're smart. It's the, it's I the believe internet. in you. It's I believe internet. in you. Yeah. I think if you're smart enough to love trauma movies, you're smart enough to figure out who we are and how to find us. Stick us in your Googler. I believe in you.